Welcome to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. To learn more about Collective, you can follow us on social media at My Collective Church or head to www.mycollective.church. It is officially the Christmas season, so we'd like to take a moment to share our Christmas plans with you. This year, Collective will be hosting three identical in-person Christmas Eve services that you won't want to miss. There'll be one service on December 23rd at 5 p.m. and two on December 24th at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. We will also have an online service on December 24th at 8 p.m. We would love for you to pick a service, grab your friends and your family and your neighbors and come celebrate with us. Also, to help us get ready to celebrate the life-changing story of Christmas, we have created an Advent calendar that is available on the Church Center app so you can live out the spirit of Christmas every single day. The calendar is complete with a passage from the Bible for you to read and a challenge that will help you share Christmas with your friends, family, neighbors, and coworkers this Christmas season. Don't forget to tag us on social media whenever you complete a challenge or are impacted by a passage you read because we'd love to share your story with others. Now let's jump into Sunday's message from our Share Christmas series. When I was in college, I was required to take two physical fitness classes, so I took swimming and snowboarding. Yes, I took a snowboarding class in college. It was very instrumental in my pastoral ministry degree. And so every Thursday, a group of us, we'd head up to a ski resort uh, to either ski or if you wanted to, you could snowboard. And I don't know if you know this, but snowboarding is really hard, like really hard. And most of us who were going had never been snowboarding before. So the first few times we went, we did a lot of falling down as we figured it all out. And uh, four trips into the semester, one of the girls that was with us to ski started to talk about how terrible we were at snowboarding. And she was talking a big game. She's like, it's so easy. I can't believe how much you guys fall down. I've never even snowboarded before, but I can tell you that I'm better than you are. And so as we were getting right in the lodge, we called her bluff. I remember my friend Curtis saying, if you think it's so easy, trade in your skis and grab a snowboard. Prove it. So she did. She grabbed a snowboard and hopped on the lift. And the whole ride up, she's talking trash. She was so confident in her snowboarding skills. When we got off the lift, there was this little chute that kind of led us to the mountain. So she strapped in her boots, stood up, and then lost complete control and went right off the edge of the chute into a ditch and broke her arm. See, it's one thing to say that you can do something. It's another to actually prove it. Right? You can say, you can believe, you can think that you are a good snowboarder, but can you show me that you are a good snowboarder? And the same is true with our faith. It's one thing to say we have faith. It's another thing to actually show that we have faith. And that's what this series and really this Christmas season at Collective is going to be all about. Before starting Collective, I worked at a church just outside of Baltimore called Mosaic, and right before moving to Frederick, they did a Christmas series called Share Christmas. And I absolutely love this series, and so I knew that I would want to adapt it and bring it to Collective someday, and it was actually on the calendar last year, but COVID and the building not being done screwed that up. So I'm really excited to finally get to share this sermon series with you all. And this series is a prove-it type of series, because it's one thing to celebrate Christmas, and it's another thing to share Christmas. And to help us get ready to celebrate the powerful, powerful story of the birth of Jesus, we've actually created an Advent calendar so you can live out the spirit of Christmas every single day. The calendar is complete with a passage from the Bible for you to read and a challenge 
that will help us share Christmas with our friends and family and neighbors and coworkers this season. And we think it's going to be a lot of fun. And there are a few ways that you can access this Advent calendar. The first is through the Church Center app. And so we talk about this every Sunday. You can fill out connection cards. It's the best way to do that. It's the best way to share your prayer requests. It's the easiest way to give. The app actually connects you to past sermons and collective kids' resources. But it's also the best way to follow the calendar. And so if you do not have the Church Center app, I encourage you to take out your phone right now. Go to your app store. It's App Store for Apple. I have no idea what it is for Droid because you shouldn't own Droids. But open it up. Find the Church Center app. And once you're in there, you search for Collective Church, and it will bring you to our version of the app. Once you open it up, at the very bottom, there'll be a button that says Share Christmas Advent Calendar. Then what you can do is every single day, you can click on the specific date. There'll be a little square, and it'll actually give you more details about the specific challenges. And so this will be the best way for you to access this over the next month. But the second way you can do that is through scanning the QR code that's on the seats. The QR code will lead you to our Connect page where the Advent Calendar is linked if you just scroll down a little bit. If you don't want to download the app, you can simply leave that page on your phone's browser to have access to it. And the last way is by following us on social media at My Collective Church, because we're actually going to post these every single day. And here are just a few tips for this Advent calendar. If you miss a day or two, just catch up. You don't need to stop doing it. We encourage you to just do as many as you can in the day to bring you up to speed. If you have kids, involve them. If you don't want to do it alone, text some of your friends and have them do it with you. And the last thing is we'd love for you to share your experiences on social media with us. If there is a scripture that hits you in a particularly good way or if there's an experience that you want to share, post on social media and tag us so that we can share it with other people. The Advent calendar starts on December 1st, but it's actually on the app in the Connect page right now so you can check it out. And there's going to be some great challenges. Uh, like one of them that we're doing is bringing in toys on December 12th for the Frederick Rescue Mission Toy Drive. In years past, and CT just mentioned this as well, typically what we do is for first-time guests that fill out a card, we donate toys to the Frederick Rescue Mission Toy Drive. But this year, we wanted everyone to be involved. And so you can pick up a few extra toys while you're out and bring them on December 12th here and drop them off, and we're going to give them to the mission the next day. There are also some fun Sundays, like December 19th, you'll see, which is Tacky Sweater Sunday, where we want you to wear your tackiest Christmas sweater. Uh, kids that day are also encouraged to wear their Christmas PJs. Adults, please don't wear your PJs. We don't want that. Uh, and all of this will lead to our Christmas Eve services. This year, we'll be hosting three identical Christmas Eve services. Uh, we'll put a slide up. I encourage you to take a picture of this. The first one will be on Christmas Eve Eve, December 23rd at 5 p.m., and there'll be two services on December 24th at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. And we'll actually have an online Christmas experience December 24th at 8 p.m. And so we just encourage you to pick the service that best fits you and come and celebrate with us. If you're bringing people with you, pick the service that best fits them and go to that service. If you invite multiple people and they all have to go to different services, go to all the different services. We had somebody do that a few years ago, and it was amazing. But ultimately, we are so excited to share Christmas with you this season, and specifically Christmas Eve, because we didn't get to do that together last year. And so we're excited to celebrate, and we're excited for you to join us. But to kick things off today, we're going to read from the book of James, which is a bit non-traditional for the start of a Christmas series, but it'll make sense, I promise. Uh, so James is one of the children of Joseph and Mary. So that means that he is actually Jesus' half-brother, because they both had the same mom, Mary. And James wasn't a follower of Jesus while Jesus was alive. In fact, you can read through the stories of Jesus and find that his whole family outside of Mary was pretty skeptical. 
And James was one of those people. His brothers and sisters did not believe that he was the son of God. But after seeing Jesus crucified and then resurrect from the dead, he believed, which makes sense. If you see someone die and then rise from the dead three days later, you would probably also believe that they were the Messiah. James eventually becomes a leader in the early church, and he writes what's called the Book of James, which is a letter that was actually directed toward all the Jewish Christians at the time. So it wasn't to a specific church. It was to kind of a mass group of Christian people. And so we're going to jump in to chapter 2, starting in verse 14. This is probably one of the most famous things that he ever said. This is what he says. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, Christians know that we are saved by grace through faith. Scripture makes that abundantly clear. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Titus 2.11 says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Romans 3.24 says, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for, for our sins. Acts 15.11 says, we believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. And grace is God sending his son Jesus as a sacrifice in our place. And the invitation for us is to accept that grace and come back into a relationship with our creator. And we are not too far gone. We have not sinned too much. We can't be too broken or too messed up. You can't lose it once you've got it. And you can't be good enough to earn it. It's completely free. So we are saved unequivocally by grace through faith. But James is making a very important point that faith expresses itself through action. And Jesus himself demonstrated this as well. In Matthew 9, Jesus is walking through a crowd, and a woman who's had a medical condition for 12 years reaches out and grabs his cloak because she knows if she just touches him, his power will heal her. And so she does, and it happens. Then Jesus points around the crowd and says, your faith has healed you. Luke 17, Jesus encounters 10 men who have leprosy. And he says, go show yourself to the priest, and then you will be well. They do, and then one of them actually comes back to Jesus. And Jesus tells that man, your faith has saved you. Mark 10, Jesus is walking along the road where a blind man is begging. The blind man asks what the commotion is all about, and the crowd tells him that Jesus is walking by. And so the man shouts out, Jesus, have mercy on me. The crowd tries to shush him and get him to be quiet, but he just shouts louder, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus come o comes over and heals him, and then he says, your faith has healed you. Now, how were those people healed? Well, they're healed by the power of God through his son, Jesus. But Jesus makes a direct connection to their faith that was demonstrated by action. You see, over and over again, the biographies of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he gives people in action to demonstrate, to show their faith. Almost never does Jesus heal someone without giving them something to do or in response to them showing their faith. Faith expresses itself through action. Are you saved because of what you do? No, that would be foolish. You're saved because the perfect son of God died in your place on the cross. That's how you are saved. But you have to show 
that you have faith in that. You see, if the, if the inevitable byproduct of faith is in action, we have to ask ourselves, do we really have faith? A few years ago, I went rock climbing for the first time. And if you've ever been rock climbing uh, before, they set you up in one of those really just like terribly uncomfortable harnesses, and then they clip you into something called a belay system. And so what happens is someone actually stands on the ground, they hold a rope, and the rope goes up kind of essentially through a pulley and back down clips to you so that as you climb, you have some su support. And the whole idea is that if you let go, they can catch you, the belayer on the ground can catch you so that you don't fall to your death. And I was nervous. I'd never done it before. I'm not necessarily afraid of heights. I'm afraid of dying. And so I didn't want to do that. Um, but when it was my turn, I started to climb because I trusted the belay system and the belayer would catch me if I fell. But if I had stayed on the ground with my harness on and said, I trust that the belay system will hold me perfectly, but I'm just going to stay right here, would you, have, would you say that I have faith that it would hold me? Right? You wouldn't. I mean, I could say that I have faith in the setup, but would you know that I have faith. You wouldn't. Because faith without action to prove it isn't really faith. A lot of you showed your faith over, over the past few weeks in our generosity series, The Sunset Clause. 20 individuals and families gave for the first time. Nine individuals and families set up recurring giving. Six individual families increased their recurring giving. That means about one-third of this church took a step of faith over the past few months when it comes to giving, and that's huge. Because it's one thing to say you want God to move in this city. It's one thing to say you want to be a generous person. It's one thing to say that you trust God to lead your life, including your finances. But it's another to actually prove it. James continues, Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Right? James says that it is all about faith, but a faith you cannot see isn't faith. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you. Now, this feels like James is being condescending, and the truth is, he is. This is kind of like those conversations you have from time to time with people in your life that say, well, I believe in God. I might not go to church or read my Bible or pray, but I have faith in God. And James is saying, I'm not impressed by this. Congratulations, you believe in God. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Believing in God is about as basic as you can go when it comes to faith. James is saying that the phrase, I believe in God as a faithful person doesn't actually mean much. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? There are no brownie points for saying that you believe in God. Show me that you believe in God. Let me see how your life represents your belief. You see, James isn't disagreeing with Jesus or any other author in the Bible over and over and over. The Bible says that it's all about faith. But James is pointing out, if you can't show it, you probably don't have it. And we know that is true because it's true in other areas of our lives as well, not just faith. If you say that your kids are important to you, show me what you did last week with them. If, you're, if you say your marriage is important, show me your calendar and the date nights that you've been on. If you say school is important, students, show me your good grades. If you say you are generous, show me the proof of what you've given. If you say that telling other people about Jesus is important, show me who you invited to church this week. If you cannot show it, you probably don't have it. The point is, whatever you believe shows itself in action, whether you want it to or not. So if you can't show your faith, 
It's not there. And listen, we are all in different places, and so your next step of faith is going to look a lot different than someone else's, and that's okay. But if you can't show what your next step of faith is, you have to ask yourself, is it really there? And then James actually turns to the Old Testament of the Bible for an example. He says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Now, this is a very intense story from the Old Testament that I'm going to sum up way too quickly. When Abraham was 100 years old, God gave him a son, and it was a miracle. And his son Isaac was so important to him. But God actually wanted to test Abraham to see if God or Isaac was more important. Like, who's the most important thing in his life? And so God told Abraham to sacrifice his son on an altar as an offering. And Abraham agreed. So he took his son up a mountain and was about to sacrifice him when an angel actually intervened and told him to stop because it was all a test from God. And then the angel actually gave Abraham a ram to sacrifice instead. See, Abraham could say that God was the most important part of his life, but in that moment, God knew that God was the most important part of his life. You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. It's actions, not just something that you say. It's not just something that you feel in your heart. And then he sums it all up with verse 26. He says, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. So the bottom line of what James is saying is faith without action is lifeless. It's a dead faith because faith expresses itself in action. It's one thing to say that you have faith, but it's another to live in a way that actually shows your faith. And so there's a lot we can learn from what James said, but there's two main applications that I'm going to point out today after reading all of that. And so here's the first one. Remember that you are saved by grace. Remember that you are saved by grace. You are saved because a good God sent his son to die in your place, to pay the debt that your sin creates. You are not saved through anything you have or haven't done. And if you aren't saved, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet, the invitation is always open. The unending grace of God is always available for you to say yes to. And it's interesting because when you read the Bible, the way that you accept grace is through faith in Jesus, but the action tied to that faith is baptism. And people ask me all the time, why do you talk so much about baptism? And my answer is because the Bible does. Baptism is mentioned over 100 times in the New Testament. It's mentioned more than communion. It's mentioned more than spiritual gifts. It's mentioned more than the church. It's kind of a big deal. And scripture makes it very clear that when you accept the gift of grace, when you put your faith in Jesus, you accompany that decision with a faith that is seen. In Acts 2, just a few months after Jesus has resurrected from the dead, a crowd gathers in Jerusalem. And Peter, one of his closest followers, teaches them that Jesus died on the cross, was buried for three days, and rose from the grave. And he shares that Jesus did this so that he can take on the punishment that we deserve because of our sin. He did that so that we could experience grace. And then this happened in Acts 2. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? 
So the crowd believed what Peter was telling them. They had faith that Jesus was the Son of God, that he was the Savior. So they asked Peter, what do we do? And Peter said, nothing. Like, don't do anything. Just keep it in your heart. No, of course he didn't say that. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, which means to change your mind, to turn away from the life you're living and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, show me your faith. Like, it's one thing to believe, but show me your faith. Get baptized. Make your faith public. And this is every conversion story in the book of Acts. Someone shares the story of Jesus with someone, they believe, and then they get baptized. And the truth is, this is how some of you need to finish your year. If you haven't given your life to Christ, I can't think of a better time than right now. I just think it's a great way to celebrate the birth of our Savior and the hope that that brings. It's a great way to go into a new year with a new you who has gone from death to life and from darkness to light. I think it's the best decision that you can make is to put your faith in Jesus and to show your faith through the action of baptism. And the challenge is the same for those of you who've been following Jesus for a while and have never been baptized. The longest gap between faith in Jesus and baptism in Scripture is three days. Three days. And for some of you, you've never gone public with your faith through baptism, and now's the time. Right? Don't just say that you have faith. Show it. And so if you've been wrestling with that next step, we talk about this every Sunday, if you're ready to take that next step, we would love nothing more than to walk you through that process. If you check the baptism box on your connection card, or you can head to Next Steps after service, and we'll follow along with you. We'll follow up with you. Danielle will call you this week. But we'll try to help you figure out how do you take your faith and put it into action. Now, here's the second application. This is for everyone. Show your faith this week. Show your faith this week. And the easiest way to do that is the Advent calendar. That's low-hanging fruit. The reason why we put out this Advent calendar is because from now until Christmas, the challenge for us is to share Christmas, to share the peace and hope and joy that became real when Jesus was born. And the challenges that you'll see every single day, they're just kind of kickstarters. They're icebreakers. Because ultimately, the goal of the challenges is to create opportunities for you to invite people to Christmas with Collective, right? to show your faith, to invite people. There's no better time to invite people to church than the Christmas season. And this is especially true for Collective. While most churches actually have higher attendance on Easter uh, than Christmas, our Christmas attendance is always higher. We're an abnormal church. Because Easter is good at drawing in people who are church people. Easter is really good at drawing in people who are on the fringes of church, people who believe in God but don't really go to church, or people who go to Collective about once every few months, people who are comfortable with Jesus and the church show up at Easter. But Christmas actually draws a higher percentage of people who don't have faith in Jesus than any other time of the year. Tom Rainer, who is a Christian author and researcher, found that people are so exposed to Christmas that they're comfortable with it. Right? Christmas is everywhere. I'm not one who leans into Christmas, but it's inevitable. Right? It's, the world surrounds you with Christmas. It's Christmas music when you're shopping. It's Christmas commercials when you're watching football. It's Christmas ads infiltrating your social media. It's Christmas everywhere. You cannot escape Christmas season. And so non-Christians, people who don't have faith, are open to looking for true meaning during the Christmas season because they understand that it can't just be shopping and presents because that doesn't actually fill anyone up. And because of this, they are more open than any other time of the year to an invitation that we would extend. 
And I am convinced that if we remember that we are saved by grace, we will show our faith by inviting people to experience the freedom that Jesus has to offer. And when we show our faith through our action, we can unleash a movement of God. In the late 90s, a sociologist named Rodney Stark put out a book called The Rise of Christianity. And Stark was actually not a Christian when he wrote the book, but he wanted to figure out how Christianity went from a small group of about 100-ish people in the mid-first century to being the dominant religion in the Roman Empire three centuries later. And so he investigated several different sociological factors that he believed gave rise to the prominence of Christianity. And what Stark found is that one of the reasons was that there was a plague that swept through the Roman Empire causing incredible deaths and devastation. And while most people left major cities in order to protect themselves from the sick, including their own family, the group that stayed to care for the sick was the church. Almost everybody fled except Christians. And they did this because they believed that Jesus cared for them when they were dead to their sins. So they cared for those who were dying from their sickness. And they did this because Jesus loved them when they were the most unlovable. So they loved even those who had been abandoned. So what happened was because the early Christians took seriously Jesus' command to love others the way Christ loved them, to serve others, to show your faith, Christianity was a movement that grew because people were willing to pour their lives out for others and it exploded in growth. And then in the fourth century, Constantine made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire, but he was just saying what was already true. That movement was already growing. It was already unstoppable. And it all started with people who are choosing to live out their faith. And I don't know about you, but I feel like there's death and devastation all around me, right? And this isn't even a COVID thing. This is just a life thing. This is a mental health thing. This is a marriage thing. This is an addiction thing. This is a family thing. The world is hurting, and people I love are struggling. And I know the same is true because I read your prayer requests that you share. There is pain. There is loneliness. There are people who are struggling just to experience a little bit of hope and a little bit of joy. And we know that just because it's the Christmas season doesn't mean things magically get better. So here's why we're doing this series in this Advent calendar. The goal isn't that we just buy Starbucks for a coworker. The goal isn't that we just pray for the people in our life. The goal isn't that we just celebrate Christmas. The goal is that we show our faith, that we actually love our neighbors, that we serve others, that we invite people to share in the Christmas experience with us and share in the hope and joy that Jesus gives us. And I'm convinced that people, when people in our life experience it, and we say that the reason we're doing this is because a man named Jesus died in my place when I didn't deserve it, and he loved me when I was unlovable, so that means I'm going to pour my life out for other people, I am convinced that we will see the grace and truth and hope and joy and love of Christ overflow in this church, in our city, and in our world. But it starts with us. And so let's live out our faith this week. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that, um, that when we read in the Bible that you love us, it's not just something that you say, but it's something that you demonstrated. God, you, you didn't just say that we were worthy of being loved. You didn't just say that you wanted to have a relationship with us and sit up in heaven waiting for us to figure it out. God, you showed that through the action of sending your son and sending your son to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, to 
would be buried and resurrect from the dead so that we could experience true life when we put our faith in you. And so God, we're just thankful um, that we can truly experience life, that we can truly experience grace, that we can truly experience hope. God, and we're thankful for this season that reminds us of those things. God, help us not get lost uh, in the presents and the buying things and uh, kind of the consumerism of Christmas, but God, help us find ourselves in you and the good things that you offer us. But God, ultimately, help us bring that to other people. God, we don't just want to be people in a church who celebrate Christmas together in this close-knit thing. God, because we know that there are a ton of people in our community that need this, that need hope, that need peace, that need joy, that need community, just to walk alongside them. So God, help us be a church that doesn't just say that we have faith, but shows that we have faith. God, help us be a church that chooses action, not just holding things inside and in our heart for ourselves to be uh, our relationship with you, but truly to bring it to other people. God, give us the courage this week to do that. Give us opportunities this week as we work through this Advent calendar, um, as we read about who you are. Um, God, help that direct us to showing that to other people. God, we thank you and love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.